Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community, to another episode of Sky Women. I am so thrilled that you're here with us today. Thank you for showing up week after week. We have a special guest with us today. This is my new friend from the internet, <laughs> Dr. Tracy Agnesi. She is a pediatrician in New York City and has been in practice there for the last 10 years. She practices on the Upper West Side. She is a pediatrician and mom and knows how difficult it is to have and care for a newborn baby. She also knows that new moms often neglect taking care of themselves and wants to help change that. You can find Dr. Agnesi on social media at Baby Doc Mama, where she strives to simplify newborn baby care and help decrease that overwhelming confusion that is so common after having a baby. So this is right up our alley. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Agnesi. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's get started. I mean, let's just dive in. How did you come about showing up on social media and educating new mamas? Sure. Yeah. So I guess I would have to start with, I had my first kid about almost eight years ago now. And after I had her, I was basically shocked by how hard having a baby is. I'm a pediatrician and I don't really think I thought much of it. I was think I just thought, oh, it's fine. Like I take care of babies all day, like no big deal, but it was a big deal. And I was shocked by the postpartum period and time and you know how hard it was. So and then soon after that, about seven or eight months after I had my daughter, my sister, who I'm super close with, was living on the other side of the country at the time. And it was the first time we were living apart. And so she had her baby. And I thought, you know, I want to help her from the perspective of a new mom and a pediatrician. So I had all these grand ideas. I was going to write letters like for every week of her, you know, the baby's life for the first. Because you had you know, so much time. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I was like, I'll write these letters and it'll be to her and it'll be about how to take care of your baby, but also, you know, how to take care of yourself as a new mom and things to do for yourself. And so, and then I was like, oh, and then I can turn the letters out, turn it into a book. And, you know, so that never happened <laughs> ever. It didn't happen. And then, but it always was in the back of my mind as like a passion and something that I wanted to do. And so then fast forward to COVID and that's actually really where I rekindled the idea, I guess, because when COVID happened, I found, you know, a lot of new moms in my office. They're often very, you know, emotional. They're tearful. Sometimes they are overwhelmed They're They feel isolated. That's not abnormal. But during COVID, you know, when it really, when it hit about a year ago, it was just to the extreme, right? So these new moms were just extra isolated, extra lonely, extra overwhelmed, extra, you know, having no one to turn to. And I had extra time because we did not have a lot of people in the office, except the people who really needed to be there, like the newborns. So I wound up spending a lot of time and I actually created a little virtual support group for some of my own patients who weren't able to do the mommy groups and the things that they were expecting to be able to do. And so I did that. And then once I did that, I, I then I started out on social media and thought, I just want to take this to more people and you know provide the education because there's just so much information out there. And a lot of it is really not correct. And so I've been having a lot of fun with it. I love that. And moms need this around the world. <laughs> moms mm -hmm. need this. It is rampant. And I feel like that COVID was really a pressure cooker for new mamas. Like what mm -hmm. a strange time to have a new baby where you already feel so isolated. 
but then to be quarantined <laughs> yeah. is intense. So tell me more about your program and what you offer women now. Sure. Yeah. I'm actually just launching a course, a um, course for the fourth trimester. Yeah. Mm. And it will be, um, it'll be about taking care of your newborn baby. You know, like the, the basics about everything from the baby's feeding and sleeping and hygiene and diapering and everything like that. Um, but also I'm going to focus on taking care of the new mom because yes. there's not really a lot out there that talks about both. So I'm going to talk about how to, you know, pr- uh, take care of the new mom physically and mentally and emotionally. And I'm going to break it down really simply like, week by week, um, what to expect. So nobody feels like they have to do it all at once, you know, but just week by week for that fourth trimester. So yeah, uh-huh. I'm really excited. It's just like, finally, all these things that I've been doing over the last, you know, 10 years on a daily basis, I'm just going to put it all in one place for, for education. Oh, I love this idea. This is phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, this is one of our passions at Sky too, is taking care of mama because you're not, you not only have grown and birthed a baby, but now you're becoming a mother, right? You're figuring out yeah. who you are now as a mom. Like I remember asking a woman in office the other day, are you feeling more yourself now? Right. And she says, well, like a new version of myself. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. exactly. Like, it's like, you know, Tracy (laughs) 2.0. Yeah, definitely. And figuring that out is, is hard. And and it's, uh, you know, it feels uncomfortable at first and you don't really know, you know, but it's, uh, you know, I want people to be able to embrace the journey and not be so like scared of it or feel like, I mean, there is a little, I think there's always a bit of a mourning, right? You have to kind of mourn the person that you, that you lost in a way, but, but at the same time, I want to be able to embrace that. This isn't, this doesn't mean that she's, she's gone and she's, you know, perfect. She's just better. She's different. You know, she, she has, you know, different kind of spin on things and priorities and you're still you and find that, you know, right. Just ever evolving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what are your top tips for helping moms to take care of themselves? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think the first thing would be support, you know, and I think most, you know, a lot of new moms have a hard time asking for that support or even accepting that support, you know, takes some people a while to get there. I think the faster you can get there, the happier you'll be because we're not meant to do this alone, (laughs) you know, and, and I don't know, maybe if COVID taught us anything, it'll be something that, you know, something people realize with it, you know, the, the burden that we've placed on ourselves as mothers over the last year is just not healthy. Right. So it's like, it's okay. Not only is it okay to ask for support, it's really, it's better for you. It's better for the baby. It's better for the family. You know, there's people who want to help and, and, and also feel good about helping. And it just, I don't know. I just think it's good for everyone. So of course, you know, support looks so different depending on who you are and where you are and what your family situation is and what your, you know, economic situation is and everything. So it's not going to look the same for everybody, you know, but find out what it looks like for yourself, you know, and not only be okay with that, but, you know, embrace it. Right. Like looking at what resources you do have, whether Mm -hmm. it's a great set of girlfriends, whether Mm -hmm. you can trade services with someone, Mm -hmm. whether it's parents, whether it's, you know, in-laws or you're hiring out those services, like it could look any Mm -hmm. which way. But I think also like just being in tune with what you need and being okay that like you do not have to sacrifice yourself to care for your infant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have to preserve, mom has to put on her oxygen mask first. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, you know, with that support too, and even if it is just, if it, if you have a partner and that's the only person you have, you know, at that moment, but just, just knowing that to, to be open and talk about what you need and what, you know, how you can maybe split things. It doesn't always have to be 50, 50, what you're expecting, you know, I think right. a lot of the maybe, you know, overwhelm and disappointments comes from expectations that you have that you haven't, you know, openly discussed with somebody. And so there's just so much room for, for being able to be supported, even if you don't live in a village with a ton of people around ready to right. care for the baby with you. <laughs> That's a really good point because I think as moms, we like to do it all. We think we're supposed yeah. to do it all. And we think that our partners should anticipate what we need and they right. should be doing that. And they are not mind readers, no. especially if they're XY chromosome. They are not mind readers. Yeah. They need black and white you to tell them exactly what it is you need from them. <laughs> yeah. Like and as, even as simple as, you know, I think a lot of new moms might eat if you you're in the room, right. And the baby, you smell a dirty diaper and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, doesn't smell it. Like the baby's crying. Doesn't he smell the diaper? Why doesn't he just go change the diaper? But there's so much, you know, more that might be going on, right. Maybe he thinks that you don't want him to change the diaper that he's not capable or maybe he doesn't smell it. Or maybe, you know, there's just so many things. It's just, just instead of dwelling in, in, that just being open and communicating about what it is that you need at the moment, you know, and expect, I think can be really helpful for support. Right. I agree. Yeah. So I know that you have this special interest in like what we can learn from cultures around the world and how they treat postpartum women. And I really want you to talk about this a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. I started really looking into it and different cultures have so many different things that they do. I think probably maybe the the one that's maybe the most well-known or, or at, at, at this time is China, right? So the Chinese culture has what they call sitting the month. So it's a month after the baby is born and they just really allow the mom to just take care of herself and rest. And that's really all that's expected of her is that she rests, you know, and feed the baby. And then everything else, as far as, you know, all the chores around the house and the food and everything is all provided for her. She's just supposed to really recover. Now in the, in the Chinese tradition, there's a lot that goes, they also call it the confinement period as well. And there's a lot that goes into it as far as food um, and restrictions and things that they really can and can't do. Um, okay. And it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. Like they're, so they, so in their, the bot, the postpartum body in the Chinese tradition is considered, you know, cold and weak. So the tradition is to provide the postpartum mom with warmth and, and hot and nourishing foods to reestablish the balance of her body. So the cool, which is the yin foods and are, are not allowed. And the warm, which is the yang foods are what she's supposed to be having. And similarly, she's supposed to really stay warm and wear, you know, with pajamas and warm socks and even, you know, strict traditionally, she's not supposed supposed to, you know, do anything that cools her off as far as, you know, even, you know, completely taking a shower. She's supposed to really just be warm and she's supposed to stay, you know, in her room and in her bed for a certain amount of time and then kind of progress from there. But it's just really, it's really interesting that there's so much around just taking care of the mom. That's so what have you learned uh, when you look at the different cultures? What is it that you think that we in the U.S. could really apply here? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. There actually was a study too that was done in like the 80s that looked at postpartum uh, around the world and cultures and stuff. And they actually found some common elements. I think they found five or six common elements amongst all these different cultural traditions. One of the first common elements is that it's a distinct defined 
period. So it, they name it, you know, and every cultures have different names for it, but they name it and they, it has a, de, a definitive amount of time. Usually that's around a month. Some it's 30 days, 40 days, some it's longer, you know, but, but it's defined and it's named, which I think, you know, I guess we call it postpartum here, but I've been thinking a lot lately about how that has such a negative connotation, because when you say postpartum, people tend to just also think postpartum depression, anxiety, and, and they don't really... Point. Yeah, they don't really, I mean, I think us in the medical field, we think of it as the time period, but in talking to people who actually haven't, you know, even had children yet or are outside of this niche, like they, they, they've been telling me it has this negative connotation that I hadn't even really realized until lately, but I think it's true. You know, maybe we need a more like upbeat word and something that really celebrates the mom, you know, and yeah. her becoming a mom. That's a little easier to kind of say and do than, than that. But I don't know. That's one thing. Other things that they do is they have social seclusion during this time. So during whatever this time period is, you know, the mom is not supposed to or allowed to go outside of, you know, the some points, the room or then the home or, you know, into out and about, which as a pediatrician actually is also interesting because I think a lot of that is, you know, protective of the baby too, right? They don't want the baby out at all these, you know, markets and places getting meningitis. So I think part of it probably has to do with that, but I think it also has to do with just really allowing her to rest. And that's another part of it too, is they just mandate her to rest. They also have a relief or assistance with all the other household duties. So usually it looks like someone, depending on the culture, whether it's a mater, uh, matriarchal or patriarchal society, they'll bring in the uh, usually a mother-in-law uh, or mother or an auntie kind of figure to to come into the home and do all the other things, take care of the other children and do all the cooking mm -hmm. and cleaning and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and then a lot of them have certain, you know, rituals or traditions around welcoming the mom as in her new role, you know, as a, as far as a, a new mom. And they have different things as far as whether it's, you know, bathing and massaging or different traditions around that. So, so it's really a time to rest and recover and really yeah. honor that role as mm -hmm. a mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. And that's really all that's expected of her. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas here in the U.S., we expect so much, right? So we, do we, all. we expect... We, yeah. And even from in literally in the hospital after birth, like the mom, at least pre-COVID was expected to be, you know, have visitors in her hospital room while she's recovering from either a major vaginal birth or, or a abdominal surgery. And she's expected to allow people to come in and, and say hi to the baby. <laughs> and not only, you know, not only that in the hospital, but then when she goes home, she's expected to entertain visitors and maybe provide some tea and cookies and make sure the house is clean. And that, you it's know, the pressure of, yeah, all of yeah. It. Yes. And then go back to work and all this stuff, you know, we just really, I think we, in our, in our society, we really, we revere the pregnant woman, right? We like, we hold doors open for her. We give up our seat on the subway. We ask how she's doing every minute, you know, and then she has the baby and then that all goes out the window. We literally stop doing all those things and then just focus on the baby. And then we, we ex start expecting a lot of her all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and expecting her to kind of just all of a sudden seem like she didn't just have a baby. So yeah. Right. Yeah. You just bounce back, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I love that you're dispelling these myths and that you're ever present on social media and you're really helping women to know what's normal and what, and what's not right. So uh, the more that we open the conversation, the more we normalize all of the realm of emotions, but also the common things that newborns do that totally freak mothers out. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, totally normal. Don't be scared. So what are some of those top things that you see? Yeah, absolutely. There's so, there's so much, but um, I guess we'll start with 
babies being really sleepy. And so, especially in the first two weeks, babies sleep so much. And, you know, sometimes they'll sleep 20 or more hours in a day in those first few weeks. Granted, not all at one time, but right. broken up a lot, you know, but, but they sleep a lot. So babies being so sleepy in the beginning is something that is usually very shocking for the parents, you know, and when you're having to feed the baby every two to three hours and the baby's difficult to wake up because the baby's just so sleepy, you know, that's something that a lot of new parents are very shocked by. Um, also with sleep is that babies, although they sleep a lot, they have very different sleep patterns than we do as adults. So they spend a lot of time in the REM, which is the rapid eye movement sleep. So a lot of their sleep is very active, which means that your baby might be sleeping, but might be crying in their sleep. Some babies do that or really making funny noises and grunting or moving around and squirming or turning over a lot of uh, uh, turning to the side is a common one that parents freak out about because obviously, you know, they know that babies are supposed to sleep on their back and you put them in their back on the crib, which is correct. But sometimes they'll turn over to their side, you know, as long as it's a sleep, safe sleep environment and you've made it, you know, no, you know, bumpers and no blankets and no loose objects and that it's a, you know, a firm mattress and all that stuff, then it's okay that your baby does that. So there, a lot of parents are very surprised by that, by the sleep patterns in, in newborns. Another common one I think is just crying. Like babies cry a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and they cry a lot and there's more crying in the first few months of life than really at any other time. So that's just, you know, something that shocks a lot of, of new moms. Another common one is, is congestion and sneez- sneezing. So babies yeah, have yeah. really, really, really tiny nose canals, right? Nasal passages. And they are full of like debris from the amniotic fluid and the birth and the delivery process. So it gets like all stuck in there and that makes them, it's a normal reflex to just sneeze after that. So that's a really common, normal thing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they have a cold. <laughs> Start getting yeah. panic. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so they sneeze with that. And then they also have very irregular breathing patterns. So breathing patterns, babies have very irregular breathing patterns. In medicine, in adults, when you're counting the respiratory rate of an adult, you count over, you can count over 15 seconds and then multiply that by four to get the respiratory rate over one minute. In babies, we cannot do that because they breathe so irregularly that you actually have to count over a full minute because they'll do, they'll be like... you know, they'll go in and out. So um, it freaks out new parents a lot, but it is very common. So I always tell parents, like, if you're concerned that your baby's breathing fast, you know, look at your watch and look over a full minute. If it's fast for the entire minute, then that's too fast. But if it goes in and out like that, then that's a normal pattern for them. And then also hands and feet being blue are something that's really common. Like babies' hands and feet get very cold and, and can be, you know, d- discolored, but that's common. They just, you know, are, are keeping all their blood supply to the organs inside, which is where they really need to be. So, you know, if that's the case and it's just the hands and feet and you, you know, you warm them up and the color get, returns to normal, then that's a normal thing too. Wow. You are just filling us full of all kinds of good information. This is awesome for new mamas. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what, there is a documentary that I watched like eight or nine years ago on Netflix about the early child rearing. And I, the name is escaping me, but it was like, you saw a woman in was either China or Tokyo. They lived in a high rise, you know, and then you see somebody in like Indonesian village and somebody in African village and then US and like compared the different child rearing in those early years. Does this ring a bell? Yeah, it does. It does. I want to say, is it called babies or something? I definitely, I know what you're talking about. I can picture that. Yeah. So I I was just trying to look it up when you were talking because it made me think of it. And I did find the babies documentary, but I'm not sure that's it because it was like one one. one excerpt that we watched, you know, like one hour and a half 
maybe yeah. or something documentary on it, but it totally fascinating, you know, like one just like wipe their hiney with a corn cob. Right. And the other one is like, just like other ends of extreme, you know, like the lady in Indonesia, I believe she was riding with baby strapped on her back, you know, like wearing baby yeah. on the back of a motorcycle, <laughs> you know, coming to and from town. And I was just like, you know, <laughs> where's that baby's helmet? <laughs> that would be my first thought. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, <laughs> where's the baby's helmet? <laughs> okay. But I do think baby wearing is something that is, you know, is something that I think in a lot of other other cultures, it's so much more common and, and than it is here. I mean, I think here it's becoming more common in different areas, especially, you know, but I think it's a great way that just babies are incorporated into the culture, you know, once they're outside of that immediate, you know, few weeks, you know, then it's good, you know, to have them around. Yeah, absolutely. And when it just frees up your hands. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I found like it was absolutely necessary, especially with baby number two and then three, like somebody's got to be strapped on so that mama has free hands to help out for sure. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're close in age <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where it's very hands-on, very physically taxing yeah. mommy, you know, then those mom duties. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with our audience. And I am sure we will have you back to discuss more topics as inquiry minds want to know. Thank you so much. And everyone, I want you to go find Dr. Agnesi on social media at Baby Dr. Mom on Instagram. She also has a YouTube channel at Baby Dr. Mom. And I will put a link in the show notes to where you can find her. So it's easy as just clicking there and going ahead and subscribing or following her so that you can get all the good information in real time. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Carolyn. Thank you. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well. <laughs>